0: Hey, guys, it's Jesse. Listen, it is the end of the year, and for many nonprofits just like ours, what happens over the next several weeks really decides what we can do in the year to come. So here's the deal. If you have benefited in any way from this podcast or if you appreciate the work that we're doing, if you want us to continue, we really need your support. We depend on listeners like you to make this happen, whether that's a small gift, whether that's a large gift. We really need you. We need your help. And we would be so grateful for your compassionate and generous gift. In order to support us, you can just head over to lovethatneighborhood.org donate. It's an extremely simple process. It does not take much time at all. So if you're listening to this and you think, well, I can only give five bucks. That's not going to make a difference. It would make a difference. So please head over to lovethatneighborhood.org slash donate. We would be so grateful for anything that you give.
1: Love thy neighborhood. Okay. Oh, cool. Oh, definitely. Oh, cool.
0: Discipleship and Missions! Mission. For modern times.
1: When we talk about, like, hey, we're called to love others, we're called to fight for the unseen, that stuff, I'm like, Yes, let's get in line with that. Let's build a framework around that. Let's mobilize. I think the hardest part to relate to God is that that intimacy. This is a show about self-discovery.
0: About understanding ourselves.
1: About looking into the mirror to see the good, the bad, and the unknown of who we are.
0: This is about how we relate to God.
1: And everyone else.
0: From Love That Neighborhood in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome. Welcome Welcome to the Ennea Cast. Welcome to the Enneacast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Lindsay Lewis. Every episode, we walk you through the Enneagram, and today we are beginning to make our way through the body triad as we continue our series on how our personality impacts our relationship with God and our approach to faith. So we're going to kick things off with Type 8.
2: Yes. So we've talked every episode about the Richard Rohr quote, the way you relate is the way you relate. You have one relational style that you love to use and you apply it to all of life, your friends, your family, and your relationship to God. So let's look at how that shows up for type eight, the protector.
0: Okay. And also just a note, today's content is building on our 101 content from season one of the show. So make sure that you at least have a basic understanding of the Enneagram. You can listen to today's episode and we hope you get something out of it. But if you don't have at least the simple basics, you might feel pretty confused about what we're talking about. Okay. So where are we going to start?
2: Well, we're going to start with looking at three things. First, how their personality influences their relationship with God. Second, how their lens influences their view of God. And third, how God heals people with this Enneagram type.
0: First, let's explore how their personality influences their relationship with God. Lindsay, give me an idea of like what this looks like when it's healthy.
2: When I picture a healthy eight, like a spiritual healthy eight, the first thing that comes to mind is just zeal. yeah, Like a king, a zealous king, you know, we picture in the Old Testament, you know, that they are righteous, they're passionate, you know, they're fiery for God. They use all of their energy and their focus um, to fight injustice, Mm -hmm. to lift up those who are weak or needy or to bring fairness. And they've got that shepherd quality, like, but not the like, sitting on the grass playing the harp Mm -hmm. more like the using their shepherd staff to beat away the lions yeah right right um but then i think when they're healthy there's also this sense that they know their limits yeah that they are not afraid to recognize their need for god and that they need mercy just as much as they need to show mercy.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I also think like when I think of like a healthy eight in the relationship with God, like eights are so grounded in the moment right? Mm-hmm. Like there's so present and there's a sense in which they are very present to God. Like they are swept up into the ongoing action of God and his present work in them and around them. Like I can struggle, mm-hmm. like I get a little stuck in the future, stuck in the past. Like mm-hmm. I can really struggle to be present. Like eights are so good at that. And, and they bring that, you know, into their relationship with God. I also think about like, they can be independent thinkers because they're mm-hmm. not as concerned about, like, status quo. They're not yeah. as concerned with, oh, this is how it's always been done. Like, A's don't care about any of that. Mm-hmm. And so when they come to God, there's a sense in which they're willing to go, okay, Lord, open-handed, what do you want me to do? Yeah. How should we live? And if that means breaking some of these norms— That's okay. That's all right. Yeah. Okay. so that's the good news. Uh, We also need to look at the ways that their personality negatively influences their faith. Mm
2: -hmm. Yes. So Lisa Vischer told us in Episode 75 that psychology informs our theology. In other words, our personality is flavoring our theological emphasis. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that flavor can get really strong Mm -hmm. and can lead to a slanted rule of life. So the way you order your days becomes all about one particular emphasis instead of balancing right action for the right moment.
0: Yeah. And, you know, for the eight, they have this tendency to relate to God primarily through victory. Mm-hmm. So, like, what does this overemphasis on victory look like? God becomes this cause to fight for. Mm. So we are going to be victorious against those that are coming against us, those that are coming against God. But there's actually not this intimacy with God. Mm, So God mm -hmm. is a cause, but God is not actually somebody that feels relationally close. There's also can be this temptation to bend their theology Mm -hmm. to become about God's strength and victory while minimizing uh, his mercy, his Mm -hmm. compassion, or even if you think about like Jesus had this remarkable ability to not need to control outcomes. Yeah. Like so many scenarios unfolded in which he just, he let people walk away. He allowed the soldiers to take him. Like there are these moments where he goes, okay, I'm surrendering to this. And that's that's tough mm-hmm. when an aid is really unhealthy.
2: Yeah. And just like you were saying in the healthy side, so often what is healthy and unhealthy are just two sides of the same coin. Yeah. So like you said, they're willing to say, God, I'm open-handed. Show me the way. But then the problem becomes when maybe they found the way that then they become extra rigid and black and white. And then it's like, yeah, anybody who's not with me is against me and I have God on my side. So that justifies all of my strong arm tendencies. Mm -hmm. To go back to my picture of that king, I feel like it becomes this, you know, in the Psalms where the the psalmist is, like, gentle and loving, and then all of a sudden he's like, smash the heads of the wicked, crush their teeth, you know? And if you're not an eight or something like that, a lot of us are like, whoa, we don't like those parts. Uh But you could see how in an unhealthy place, an eight would just clip all those parts out and be like, yes, this is what I like. Justice, revenge, you know, like, forget mercy. We're going to bring vengeance, Mm -hmm. you
0: know? So if you think about, like, how does that, unhealthy stuff begin to influence their approach to God. You know, um, eights have this tendency, if they're not thoughtful and careful, that they think something is true simply because they declared that it is true. Yeah. Because they see with such certainty. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are moments in which it's like, I know you're seeing with certainty, but actually that's not accurate. And they can be hyper present to the point that they actually become impatient toward anything Mm. that is not present. And that can include... The movement of God, the timing of God. And there can be a general sense in which God's moving too slow. God is taking forever. And so the eight can feel as though it's up to them to do something.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and eights can really struggle with that denial piece too. Yeah. When confronted with sin, they can really lean heavily on reframing or just denying outright, you know, my perceived unfairness justifies my actions. Yeah. You know, even— to god yeah you know that denial yeah can come out so okay that's enough of their <laughs> negative qualities. yeah
0: so i mean so we do we've got this ability where they can be this amazing kingly type figure mm-hmm. this amazing queen type figure that's like sacrificial and servant minded you know or the sense in which there can be sort of a bit of tyranny it's like yes. both of those exist on the spectrum of possibility
2: Okay, that's how this type tends to relate to God. But one of the main reasons we relate to God incorrectly is that we see him incorrectly. So how does the lens of the type eight distort the way they see God?
0: Well, I think we have to remember this. You know, many eights as children felt betrayed Mm -hmm. and attacked by people that they trusted. Yeah, There were people that were in their life that were trying to overpower them, push them around, Mm -hmm. or... A lot of eights had illnesses as kids. Like there was just a mm-hmm. sense in which life betrayed them and life was against them. And so I think we have to realize like that influences the way that they see the world. Mm-hmm. And because they couldn't find somebody powerful enough to protect them, including God, they had to do it themselves. And so this this leads the AIDS to imprint their wound on God, Mm -hmm. and to misjudge his character. So back in episode 75, Lisa Vischer said that the false self can lead eights to believe that God is indifferent. Mm. You know, look at all these problems, God, like if you are not going to do something about them, then you're leaving it up to me and I'm going to have to. So you're not acting fast enough. You're not bold enough. You're not firm enough. You're too passive. You're too easy on the world. Like your indifference is not going to lead to victory. So I guess it's on me to do something about it.
2: Yeah, like at least a little bit of justice would be better than no justice, yeah, you know? Yeah, But the true image of God is that God is the all-powerful one. He is the, the only one who can conquer the sin and brokenness of the world. And that like the eight, he was betrayed. You know, that people took advantage of him. People tried to control him, but he embraced his weakness out of love. And he wasn't afraid of conflict, but... He also was gentle with people, you know, and that he talked about defending the least of these. He talked about the sheep, you know, who are lost. And so he relates a lot with that eight energy of, yes, there are people who need to be protected. There is a fight against, you know, the powers of this world, but that he is the true father who will protect even the eights. Yes. And who will never betray and that his justice is true and perfect and completely beautifully balanced with mercy. Mm-hmm. And the victory is secure.
0: Mm-hmm. So we can trust him. Yeah. We can trust him. Okay, so for type eights, we've looked at how personality influences their relationship with God and how their lens influences their view of God. And so that leaves us with this question of how God heals people with this Enneagram type.
2: Right. And you always say God doesn't heal us with good advice. He heals us with the good news. So what is the good news specifically for type eights?
0: Yeah, you know, eights are in the body triad, a huge orientation around uh, two things. So traditional Enneagram teachers say that it's all about the anger, mm-hmm. right? Um, but we actually say that anger is you kind of haven't gone deep enough. Mm-hmm. Like if you go one layer deeper, eights are going to feel anger most readily. But the deeper layer is this issue of guilt. Yeah. You know, this issue of I have not behaved in ways that I should have mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the world has not behaved in ways it should have. And a lot of the anger is around those issues. It's actually around this issue of guilt. So how does God respond to the guilt of the eight? He responds with forgiveness.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: He knows. He fully accepts these are the things that you've done, the things you haven't done, and he takes those onto the cross. But in addition to that, he also heals our fear with his presence, and he heals our shame with his delight. He finds pleasure in who we are.
2: Right. And he specifically says to the eights, He heals their wound by telling them, I will not betray you. Yeah. And he never will. He might move at a different speed and in a different direction, but he never betrays. He can't. He cannot lose a single sheep. Yeah. And he won't.
0: Yes. So he's not going to pull a fast one on anyone. He's not going to pretend to be one thing while secretly having these other plans. He is going to take care of of his children. Yeah. Um, he's utterly faithful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good news leads to transformation. And so after receiving this good news, you're invited to respond. And so as a disciple move from this place of boundlessness, the deadly sin for the eight, uh, you know, that's a lack of boundaries fueled by an entitlement to intensity, stimulation, Mm -hmm. excess, move to this place of innocence. So respond to life by being vulnerable, by being tender, by being trusting without a need to control every outcome. And here's like the real beauty of that is that a lot of times as kids, Aids had to sacrifice their own childhood innocence because they had Mm -hmm. to be strong and big to kind of survive in the environments Mm -hmm. they were in. And God is saying, hey, I've got this battle. Reconnect with that inner child. Reconnect mm-hmm. with that part of yourself. And we see aids do this all the time with babies. Yep. You know, we see them do it with people who are outcasts in society. We mm-hmm. see them even do it with like animals. Yes. And so God is saying, hey, for you too. That's yeah. for you too. Yeah. Um, and by doing that, they begin to develop all these other wonderful attributes that can only grow from a place of innocence.
2: Yeah. And I think it's okay to acknowledge for all of us, you know, the thing we're moving into is work. So it's actually going to feel like work for the eight to move to innocence, you know, whereas a different type that might feel easy. Like I wish that was my homework, you know, to be innocent, you know, but that's not it's for the eights. And it is a gift that they give to the world when they bring their innocence that they're saying, I'm choosing to open up these guard doors of my heart. And that is also mercy Mm -hmm. because you know that's one of their virtues to lean into is this idea of mercy that you don't deserve this like you're not worthy because we're all broken sinners but i choose to step into this place yeah with you yes and that's a gift yeah and it might hurt but you'll also grow and expand because of it Mm -hmm. and god will always have your back
1: Mm -hmm.
2: so final tips is that A.J. Sherrill talks about in his book, the Enneagram for Spiritual Formation, certain spiritual disciplines for each type. So for the eight, their downstream discipline is service. You know, they're super action-oriented. They've got more energy than the rest of us, so they can do a lot of things. And truth-telling. They are going to speak the truth. They are honest. They're yep. not going to pull punches. Yep. Um, and I would also add, I don't know if this is a spiritual gift, but that justice piece. Yeah. Like they are all about fighting for justice. Yeah.
0: I think of it too, when you think about service and truth-telling and fighting for justice, I sort of phrase it this way, like they have to find a cause Mm -hmm. that they become deeply involved with and Mm -hmm. that they can leverage all that power and strength for the sake of somebody who really needs it. Yeah. Um, The upstream discipline, meaning the discipline that is going to help them have a broader view of God and a better, broader experience of God is going to be this, confession, submission, and accountability. Mm -hmm. It is probably going to look something like getting together with a couple of other people on a weekly or bi-weekly basis in which the eight does not lead the group, Mm -hmm. Uh, the eight is not the one in charge, and the eight intentionally softens their presence in order to allow other people to speak into their life. Mm -hmm. And that this very close, tight-knit circle of people is the place in which the eight goes, I'm going to open my heart. I'm going to stop Mm -hmm. protecting myself all the time. I'm going to let you in. And that by doing so, they begin to realize, oh, you know, God holds all these things. I don't have to fight for myself all the time because the Lord fights for me.
2: Yes. Yes. And a lot of that's going to require that slowing down. Even your speech, you slowed down just talking about it because they do just move at such a quick clip.
0: Yep. Yep. Okay, so that is our teaching about type 8s and how their personality influences their relationship with God. But Lindsay and I, neither of us are a type 8. Nope. Man, there are so many days I Not wish I was. Close. I wish I was some days. <laughs> so we would love to uh, to talk with somebody who can give us more firsthand information. So our guest today is Dee Diaz. Dee is the VP of Digital Strategy at Reach Records, home to artists such as Lecrae, Andy Mineo, and Trip Lee. Over the last five years, she has helped to reach Shape Reach Records' approach to distribution and marketing and help the label transition to being a fully in house distributed independent label. In her first year at Reach, Dee contributed to the distribution, and marketing of over six LPs, including Lecrae's All Things Work Together, of which two singles are now RIAA Certified Gold and Platinum Records. In 2020, Dee led the charge on the label's first Latin project, Scene Vergüenza. She shaped branding, PR, advertising, and more to tell the story of the Latin Christian community. And she is an eight on the Enneagram. Welcome to the show, Dee.
1: Thank you guys so much for having me.
0: Well, we are excited to talk with you.
2: Did anything resonate from our teaching today?
1: Yes, a lot. I loved just hearing like this very healthy view of how eights relate with God, just because I feel like there is this intensity, right? When we talk about who God is. And I just love like this picture of fighting injustice along with God, because that is the heart of God. Mm-hmm. And so many times I feel like we hear the negative views of the eights, But I just loved that, like, really positive description of what the eight is when we're really healthy.
0: Yeah, you know, I've sort of commented to people that, like, regardless of how people feel about some of the specifics of some of the social movements of the last few years, like, a lot of the calls for justice have really been coming out of that body triad. And more Mm -hmm. specifically, a lot of it's been coming out of that eight energy, you know, Mm -hmm. people saying, hey, listen, the world is not as it's supposed to be. And these things are happening, Mm -hmm. you know, that are not what they should be. And, and God wants us to do something about it. Like there's eights are bringing that energy and leveraging it Mm -hmm. again for people that are often being wounded and hurt and taken advantage of that eight energy has really helped shape a lot of the good aspects uh, that we're seeing socially in the last few years.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I think, especially thinking through 2020, justice was such a big topic then. And you're hearing so many different messages about what justice is. And it's hard when the people that you feel like are standing up for the unseen and the vulnerable, their stance goes against what maybe at that time what felt like the Christian community was saying. And I just thought that it was like this really cool pivotal moment when you started to see bold Christians kind of speak out and be like, hey, actually, have you read Isaiah 61? Have you read the parable of the Good Samaritan? You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and just starting to hear these very biblical views of justice and starting to reconcile what that looks like.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I love that. Well, stay with us because when we come back, we will continue our conversation with Dee Diaz. We'll be right back.
2: Hey, this is Kirsten, the recruitment assistant at Love Thy Neighborhood. We recently talked with the parents of some of our alumni to ask them how serving with us has impacted the life of their child. Hi, this is Steve Lindsay from Leola, Pennsylvania, and my son Taylor served with Love Thy Neighborhood in 2018. That was a year that was life-changing and one in which we saw him grow in his faith, his self-awareness, his leadership skills, and in his passion for those in the margins of society. We honestly believe that that year invested will have not only wide-ranging, but eternal impact. If you want a hands-on experience of missions in our modern times, Come serve with Love Thy Neighborhood. We offer internships for young adults ages 18 to 30 through the areas of service, community, and discipleship. You'll grow in your faith and life skills. Learn more at lovethyneighborhood.org.
0: Hey, welcome back to the India Jesse Eubanks, Lindsay Lewis, and we are continuing our conversation with Dee Diaz.
2: So Dee, what do you find most difficult as you relate to God? And then also what comes the easiest? So I'll start with the easiest.
1: <laughs> uh, <'cause laughs> I knew that this was coming and I was like, what is the easiest? I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But because I feel like naturally, I just want to just go into like, no, let's talk about the hard thing. So the I think the easiest part is that God is a God of justice, right? And so mm-hmm. I can align with all of that stuff so easily. When we talk about like, hey, we're called to love others. We're called to fight for the unseen. We are called to be a light. Like that stuff, I'm like, yes, let's get in line with that. Let's build a framework around that. Let's mobilize. That part, I think, is the easiest to digest. I think the hardest part to relate to God, and you guys touched On this on your teaching but it is that that intimacy part Mm -hmm. with god right um where all of a sudden like at the end of the day you've mobilized you've checked things off the list and then you're like okay but how am i actually doing relationally with god and Mm. so there was this time in 2019 and at this point i had been a believer for 10 years i became a believer in 2009 um, when i was 16 And right around 2019, I started to, I'd already, like, like I said earlier, started to find, go through like this healing process after being kind of in an unhealthy environment. And I started to realize that I never referred to God as my father, right? Mm. Like, I was hearing so many, I, I think I was just in a community that talked a lot about the father heart of God. And I knew that God was a father. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I understood mm-hmm. that logically, but I never came to him and I never prayed to him and said, like, Father, God. You know what I mean? Like, I yes. never addressed him as God, my father. I addressed him as holy, Lord, this like authority figure in my life that laid out, um, like I could submit to him, right? Like, I'm like, you're the God of the universe. I'm not going to fight you. (laughs) Like I can can submit to you. Um, but this like intimate, vulnerable, Hey, I'm your daughter was such a foreign concept to me. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's probably the harder part for me is, yeah, to come to him and, Relate to him as my father, as this like intimate figure that I can come and actually rest in him. And at the end of the day, be like, Hey, Lord, like I need to be a daughter right now because I have been a sister, like I've been a sister all day, right? I'm the oldest of four. Mm -hmm. And so, and I have three younger brothers, and I, everything that I do is to like really fight for them and to fight. My mom was a single mother for most of our lives. So, I really have taken on this responsibility to really show up for them. And the moment that I realized that like, yes, I'm a sister, but I'm also a daughter is such a, it's such a scary place to be, right? Because then I I feel like my identity suddenly shifts to this, like, well, am I still enough if I show my weakness? Am I still going to be useful? Am I still going to be loved if I say like, hey, Lord, like I need, I need to be a daughter right now. And it
0: takes a long time to do that, you know? Yeah. uh, We interviewed somebody the other day and she was talking about a very similar thing, like this sense of, um, and I don't know if like this will resonate with you or not, but like uh, she was talking about just hardships that she had had in her relationship with her dad and how that made it difficult to relate to God as a father. And and I was sharing with her, I have a very complicated relationship with my own dad. And so coming to God, I kind of get the like, how to kind of push through and kind of be strong to like get the thing done. You know, I kind of get that relational style, but there can be moments in which it's like that intimacy and the stillness like can be very foreign to me because it just wasn't in my family. Does any of that resonate with you?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I can actually, um, you know, what's funny is I, I was talking about like that 2019 moment where I started to slowly realize that there was something different about my relationship with God than others that I had seen, which I think also just speaks to the strength and the importance of community. But I can remember the time that I finally was like, okay. And it's interesting because it was actually tied to this moment of forgiveness that I had to offer my personal, my dad. Mm -hmm. And it was this like, I remember where I was and I remember like praying for my dad in that moment. And when I did that, it was the first time that I saw my dad as, like I saw him as a son Mm. of the father and I saw him as somebody also needing grace and somebody also needing mercy. And I think for me, like I had to show him that grace and by seeing him in the eyes of a son of the father, it kind of like, I removed him from this expectation of what I needed him to be as a father. And I had to just accept this truth that that was like, oh yeah, there, there is this abandonment. There is this betrayal. I had to forgive the fact that he, you know, he wasn't the person that I needed him to be. But in that moment, it was like removing him from that place allowed God to really come into that place. And I was able to see him in that way. Right. Like I had to kind of surrender this wound in order to be able to have a perspective for what a biblical father truly is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so definitely um, there's something to that, like how our family dynamics
2: affect how we relate to the Lord.
0: Yes. Yeah, Yeah. that's so
2: powerful. Just the fact that you had to come to that soft spot for the person who wronged you in order for you to then have the experience of the softness with your heavenly father is just so like, I really got chill bumps. Just listening to you talk about it.
0: Uh, do you, let me ask this question in the Southern white evangelical world, women in particular, I have found are, are sort of told to like either dismiss or diminish their eightness, mm-hmm. Like it's a bad thing to have too much of that eight energy if you're sort of in that that southern white evangelical world uh, as a woman what is the latin community's response like to you as a woman having this really wonderful strength and power like is it supportive or are the messages from the church like this is wonderful or the message of the church like hey this is not mm-hmm. this is not good dial
2: it down yeah that's
1: a good question and i have to this is like <sighs> Any person that's from a marginalized community, whenever they get asked something, you have to start with the, well, I don't speak for the Latin community, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's yeah. a classic. So I'm in a unique position because I actually did not grow up in the Latin Christian church. I grew up Catholic, I should say. But when we talk about the traditional Latin evangelical church, the Latin non-denominational church, that's a very different culture than what I would have grown up in. Mm-hmm. So... My personal experience, I honestly grew up in a household that was all strong women. Mm -hmm. So there was not a world in which I didn't think that women had a place in leadership. Like I didn't grow up with that framework. And it was actually when I became a Christian and I I stepped inside the church where I started to realize that that was not the norm. Mm -hmm, (laughs) Um, mm -hmm. And as an A, it is very noticeable right yeah I'm like I see the way that my personality can be like my my directness my my will my ideas (laughs) sometimes are coming on so strong and coming from a Latino woman sometimes it's not received as well thankfully I am in an environment where we're constantly working toward creating equality for women and equality for women of color But yeah, definitely have seen those obstacles more and more
2: as I grow. Mm. So each type has a key message that we talk about that they long to hear. So what impact does it have on you to just imagine Jesus speaking the words to you, I will not betray you? I think um,
1: that's the message that, every eight longs to hear. And it's also the message that I think for my personality, I can read things and I can accept them logically as truth, but to accept them on a deep identity defining level and actually believing that Jesus would not betray me, that's like the journey and the fight. Right. And I just remember One time being at a retreat, and it was during worship. And that Rita Springer song, Defender, came, they they were doing that song. And a mentor came up to me and just kind of was like, she knew a lot of my personality and was aware of things that I'd been through in my past. And just times where I, I like needed to be defended and wasn't fought for. And she just kind of came up to me. And the lyrics from the song that we're playing or um, from that song are When I Thought I Lost Me, You Know Where I Left Me, You and Your. you reintroduced me to your love. You picked up all my pieces, put me back together. You are the defender of my heart. So that idea of God being the defender of my heart, right? This idea of like Jesus not betraying me was so significant and and this mentor kind of pointed it out to me and she was like, hey, like, how does it feel right now to think about God actually being the defender of your heart? Like in that moment where you felt betrayed, in that moment where you felt like at eight years old, right? I'm talking about this childhood wound moment that we all talk about it as an Enneagram. You know, where was God in that room, right? When you mm. realized like you had to grow up, when you realized that you had to become the oldest sister to your brother and later the oldest sister and the protector of your three brothers, and then later the the protector of your brothers and your mom, where was God in all of those circumstances? And so when I hear that message of like Jesus telling me that he's not going to betray me as much as it's hard to accept it. When I look at my, the story of my life and I look at the places that Jesus has rescued me from the times where I thought I left me, right? How he came through and brought redemption, how he brought healing in those moments. And so not only is it a beautiful thing to accept as truth, but I also have a testimony. And if I really am able to be intimate with him, I can see all the ways that he hasn't betrayed me. I can Mm -hmm. see all the ways that he's not only not betrayed me, but has fought for me in ways that I longed deep down longed for others to do it. And, and also just realizing like that I don't need to, constantly fight for myself, that I am allowed to find this moment of rest and peace, But I don't need to constantly defend myself and I don't have to be constantly guarded and protected because maybe what he says is true and maybe he's doing that for me already. And those are the moments where I can say I can fully rest in that
2: truth. Mm.
0: Man, that is beautiful.
2: That is. I love that we call eight the protector, but you sing defender you know, mm-hmm. a few different times. It just, those words are really similar. And I was just thinking that is the perfect description of God as the type eight. Mm-hmm. That type eights are being in the world what the exact thing that they need God to be to them.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, Dee, thanks so much. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay. So we have gone into the depths. Let's, yes. Let's go act like fools for a little bit. (laughs) Um, So stay with us because when we come back, we will be playing You've Got Problems with DDS. We'll be right back. Here at LTN, we're all about helping people build better relationships. And we've actually created a brand new way to do that with our Say More conversation cards. Say More is a deck of 100 questions to kickstart engaging discussions. So there's silly things like Which famous cartoon character are you most like? And there's also serious things like what has been your hardest goodbye in life? You can use our Say More cards with your family, your friends, on a date, at the office. My family and I have been using them at the dinner table, and I've learned things about my kids that I truly never knew before. To grab your own deck of Say More cards, go to lovethyneighborhood.org and click the store link at the top of the menu. And while you're there, Grab a couple more decks. They make great gifts for Christmas or birthdays. And all proceeds go directly to support Love That Neighborhood. So go to lovethatneighborhood.org and click store. And get ready to say more. Because better relationships are just a question away. Welcome back to the Unicast. Jesse Eubanks. Lindsay Lewis. And now it's time for You've Got Problems. Okay, D. here is how you play. For each round, Lindsay and I are going to each present you with two perk cards. These cards have wonderful, useful, just plain awesome things on them. You're going to choose which perks you would like to have in real life. However, there's a catch. Before you choose, Lindsay and I are going to sabotage each other's perks with a problem. So whichever perks you choose will also have a problem that comes with them. So after we sabotage, you have to choose which set of perks and which problem you're gonna go for in real life. So whoever's set of perks you choose, they get a point. We'll do three rounds, best out of three wins. Are you both ready? Yes. I'm ready. All right, Lindsay,
2: ladies first. Okay, your two perks are that you can remove ads from your life entirely and nobody will notice any of your flaws.
0: So she can get rid of all ads? Like so she could like walk in Times Square, she sees nothing. No commercials. She Most, goes to them all, yeah. nothing.
2: Nothing on Instagram. Nothing. She's
0: on, on her web browser, nothing.
2: YouTube. Wow. Anywhere.
0: Okay. That sounds kind of nice. Okay, those are uh Fine, if that's your (laughs) thing. If you like that sort
1: of thing. Just just to be clear, okay, so no ads, and then the other perk was nobody knows Um, my flaws?
2: Yeah, they don't notice any of your flaws. Okay, 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 okay. Okay,
0: and uh, so if those are your thing, that's fine, whatever. Let me give you (laughs) a real offer. You can build anything. You have the expertise and the tools and the means to build whatever you want and... And you can be in two places at once. Whoa. So oh, you, can, you can be building something and simultaneously relaxing or going on an adventure mm-hmm. or going to work out or whatever your thing is.
2: Mm-hmm. Sleeping. Yeah. Okay. So, Lindsay? The problem is if you choose to be two places at once and build anything in two places at once, still every single day – you will lose 10 words from your vocabulary. (laughs) Oh my
1: gosh. (laughs) So in just a matter of, you know,
2: weeks or months, Mm -hmm. you'll be two places, but you will have zero words.
0: So Lindsay's offering you that you will never see ads again and that no one will ever see your flaws, but there is a problem. And the problem is that every week you must trade your teeth with a stranger. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Stranger <laughs> teeth. Yep. <laughs> That's so yep.
2: random.
1: Do I get to choose? Do I get to choose a stranger? Sure. Yeah. I mean, can I be like people with like veneers or something? Can I? Because that sounds great.
2: Yeah. I mean, it could <laughs> uh, work out in your favor.
1: I don't know. It's kind of I guess it's kind of gross, but at least I could talk. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: OK, so uh what are you choosing? Which perks, which problem? Oh,
1: gosh. Okay, so here's the thing. Like, the ads thing doesn't feel like a perk because I'm in this world. Mm-hmm. And so, I, like, I, I love the inspiration. Like, to me, I'm like, I never feel like, I rarely feel annoyed by ads. Hmm. That's a
2: superpower in and of itself.
1: Well... It's because I'm a workaholic. So, it's, you know, I don't know how healthy it is, but I'm constantly analyzing ads for my job. So I don't know if that's as strong of a perk. And the idea of being able to do what, at, like being at two places at once, you're telling me that I can build something and, and be innovative. Um, yeah, this is rough, but I need my voice. I think I, nope. Nope, I'm going with Jesse. I'm going with Jesse because I can find different ways to communicate. I can Mm, find different. I can mm. build a new method of communicating and two voices at once easily. Yeah.
0: Hey, and now they've got all that AI technology where they just scrape every piece of audio ever, and they just robots will just be your voice. So, Uh, okay, all right, one point for you. One point to me. Okay, are you ready? Here's round two. These are some sweet ones. Here we go. Dee, I'm glad to offer you the following perks. Your clothes can instantly morph to fit in any situation.
1: Mm.
0: And you can mute people in (laughs) real life.
2: This is incredible.
0: I like these. I think these are pretty good. That
2: sounds like a really dangerous tool for an eight.
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: The other person had it coming anyway.
1: I would be very fair in how I used it. You know Mm. what I Mm
2: mean? That's what they all say. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Now I will offer you two also excellent perks. And I would like to turn your attention to the f- past few years that we have gone through with the COVID 19 pandemic. And in light of that, I would off- like to offer you the fact that you are immune to all diseases. All. Oh, of that's them. pretty good. Yeah. Anything that might come, because we don't even know what might come. Yeah. And then number two, you never, ever have to attend any event you don't want to. Oh, my Meetings, gosh. Appointments. So
0: no diseases and... Free will. ...doesn't have to attend any event that she doesn't want to? Yeah. Holy smokes. That's, that's amazing. That's, that is pretty good. Um, <laughs> they well, Let me say it that different. They would be good. <laughs> <laughs> would be good. They would be good. Except there's a little bit of a problem. And the problem is that there is always a serial killer chasing <laughs> you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what? Your bad ones
1: are so much better than mine. That's actually fascinating to me. Like, <laughs>
2: outsmarting a serial killer. <laughs> she's like, that sounds entertaining. She has plenty of time because she's That's never a great going challenge. to meetings. Apparently. Okay, so what were yours? Yours. Uh, were can, mute. Uh,
0: clothes can instantly morph into fit in any situation and mute other people in real life. <laughs>
2: okay. Okay, but the problem with that is that even if they're muted, and even if your clothes are impeccably well fitted, you can only communicate to others through interpretive dance. <laughs> 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 so you'll be doing all the talking, but also all the dancing.
0: Oh my gosh. I would love to be in that Reach Records meeting.
2: <laughs> no,
1: yeah. You know, probably wouldn't be the first time that somebody wrote into interpretive dance though. I will say that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Dee, what what are you picking?
2: Remind me of Lindsay's perks again, real quick. Okay. Immune to all diseases and never have to attend an event you don't want to.
0: But there's a serial killer chasing you. But there's a serial killer. Or mute all people in real life and your clothes instantly morph to fit any situation.
2: But. But you have to communicate only in interpretive dance.
1: Oh, gosh, that sounds miserable. You know what? Gosh, I'm sorry, Lindsay. Oh, man. Like the serial killer thing, I'm just like it's kind of. It sounds like an adventure, you know. Like I feel like I could do it. I really do. Oh wait, so you're gonna choose (laughs) mine?
0: So so you're picking Lindsay's then? You can deal with the serial killer.
1: Oh
2: yeah, 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 yeah! I am picking yours. Oh yes, 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 yes! yes. Mm. She faked you out.
0: I know. I got so excited for a second. I was like, he was already
2: celebrating. I was like, well, this is in the
0: bag. Not so much. I got boom. Yeah. Okay, Lindsay, take us into round three. It's a tied game.
2: Okay, round three, you will get an immediate response to every text that you send and you will never be expected to respond to any text. And you can mimic any talent. Oh my gosh, that's my dream. (laughs) I
1: literally have so many unread texts right now, but if I need something and you don't text me back, oh, it's so frustrating. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Uh, well let's see if I can even remotely begin to climb over that wall um, okay when you sleep you receive the benefits of a workout
2: whoa <gasps> So
0: literally you're asleep and the whole time you're asleep your body wakes up and it's like fit that was that was a great workout <laughs> could you imagine like it
1: feels like it feels like I got a workout it's like
0: it's all I want to feel sore It's the word is benefits so it's like every like
2: weight loss great muscles. All yeah. things,
0: yeah, and I guess you know Lower if it's eight hours. If it's eight hours, it's like an eight-hour workout. Can you imagine you could eat whatever you but you're want? You're not
2: tired. Oh, uh, you've like burned four thousand calories when you wake up.
0: And and so when you sleep, you receive the benefits of a workout, and you can pilot any vehicle. <laughs> could you imagine? Suddenly, you have to jump in the helicopter, and you know what you're doing, or you have to take yeah. control of the airplane, and you know what you're doing.
2: Yeah, Dee, do, do you amazing. have that problem that you frequently? Need to fly an airplane, but you're not able to. Hey, you don't know her. She might have that problem. Did you hear? It It was a question, Jesse. I asked. I didn't say. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Okay. Well, the problem with Lindsay's offer is that your hands and feet have to switch places. <laughs>
2: <laughs> your bad ones are so bad. That's okay. hilarious. The problem with Jesse's is that even though you could operate any transportation vehicle and. Workout in your sleep. Your only mode for transportation is actually crab walking.
0: <laughs> well, that's why. That's why so, she, her arms wait, are so going to be So I'm getting
1: a workout
2: at night, and then I have to crab and walk crab everywhere. Walking. Still, so yeah. you know how to fly a plane, but you can't because you have to crab walk. Well, there. if she's
0: in the seated position. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, what are you picking?
2: Mine was the text messages and mimic any talent. But, but
0: hands and feet are switched hands places. And
2: feet are switched, but you can still do any talent, even with them switched.
0: That's freaky. It's pretty yeah. awesome. Uh, or when you sleep, you receive the benefits of workout. You can pilot any vehicle,
2: but you have to crab walk everywhere you go.
1: Yeah, I I have to go with Lindsay's. Like that yes! text thing is that is gold. That is gold. And also being able to mimic any talent. Yes, thousand percent. Thousand percent. Mm. That's mm. the son of me winning, Jesse. Mm. I also, I also mm. love a good. I need to be able to get in the gym. You know, I need to be able to measure my. <laughs> yep, you got to get out that that. Uh, oh
0: strength man, I really thought I had it. I thought I had it. Well, congratulations, Lindsay thank and you. D. Good luck with all those problems.
1: <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Okay,
0: and now it's time for eleven quick questions. Mm. Okay, Dee, we're going to ask you 11 questions you can answer with one word, one phrase, or one sentence. Okay, Lindsay, go. Number
1: one, what is a word you use too much? It's not, probably not a good word to say on here. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, You can give us like a little hint. hint. The substitute word. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I say shoot all the time. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, uh, What is a word that you wish that you never had to say again?
1: Season, like in the Christian context, you know how people are like, in this season, I I won't, even Uh, though I I think I said it earlier, but I I wish, I actually wish that that was a word nobody ever had to say again. mm -hmm, Yeah, yeah.
0: mm -hmm.
1: Number three, what makes you feel alive? I think like a really well curated experience makes me feel alive, like Mm -hmm. like whether it's just a brand new restaurant or a really fun like snowboarding trip. Yeah. But like Mm -hmm. every detail, just well curated for a great experience.
0: Mm. What repels you?
1: Oh, you know what? Absolutely. No, this is like the worst thing ever. When I moved to Atlanta, roaches. Oh, yes. Roaches. Like I can't imagine anything worse. Yes. That was the biggest culture shock for me. Agree, 100%. What is your favorite emotion? Is passion an emotion? Passion is my favorite emotion. Like intensity. Is that that an emotion? Intensity, yeah. Is that an emotion? It can be for this purpose, yeah. Sure,
0: yeah. What is your least favorite emotion?
1: Is fear an emotion? Mm
0: -hmm. Yes, I would
1: say maybe fear, yeah. Mm -hmm. What is the sound that you love? Uh, I'm thinking of music for some reason, and I just love, I love music. Uh, But that's not a sound.
0: That's good. No, music is good. What sound or noise do you hate?
1: Oh, I hate, like, creaking floors. Like, I live on the bottom floor uh, of a condo, and nothing infuriates me more than people walking <laughs>
2: upstairs. Like, it, it is infuriating. Yes. Okay, number nine. If you could switch Enneagram types for the day, which one would you like to try?
1: You know what? I want to know what it's like to be a nine. I just think it's so different from what I experienced on a day to day that I'm curious to know like the inner workings of a nine, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is interesting because I guess that's a wing. But um, I think I'm leaning more toward a seven. So
0: mm-hmm. uh, number 10, if you could tell your teenage self one sentence, what would it be?
1: I would say don't grow up. Like you don't have to grow up yet, you know, which I feel like is kind of a cliche thing, but I just grew up so fast. I hate
2: the cliche of it, but no, it's good. What is the first thing you'd like to say to God when you die?
1: I want to ask him why roaches? (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I don't
2: understand.
1: Like that is my biggest question.
0: You've got some things to answer for, buddy.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> well, Dee, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing with us and just uh, just modeling Aitness so well for all of our listeners. It's, it's just been great to talk with you.
1: Thank you, guys. This was wonderful. I really appreciate it.
0: If you benefited at all from this podcast, please help us out by leaving a review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Your review will help other people discover our show. Special thanks to our guest today, Dee Diaz. Check out all the fantastic music that Dee is helping bring into the world over at Reach Records by visiting reachrecords.com. Also, you can follow Dee on Instagram at Dee Diaz. Also, special thanks to Crosspoint Ministry who helped train us in the Enneagram. You can check them out at crosspointministry.com.
2: This show is brought to you by Love Thy Neighborhood. We provide internships focused on service, community, and discipleship for young adults ages 18 to 30. You can serve for a summer or a year and grow in your faith and life skills. Learn more at lovethyneighborhood.org.
0: This episode is written by Lindsay Lewis and myself. Anna Tran is our media director and producer. Music for today's episode comes from Lee Rosevere and Murphy DX. I'm Lindsay Lewis. And I'm Jesse Eubanks. Remember, the eye can see everything but itself. Find people to journey with you because you were created for community.